Okay. So, um, I can honestly say that one of the biggest surprises for me when I started looking into video game history was finding out that the National Video Game Museum was actually located within a few hours of where I live. And I live in like central Texas, kind of in between major cities, nowhere particularly huge. And um, I guess I just assumed that something that was supposed to be a bastion of video game history, you know, wasn't somewhere on the West Coast, closer to where a lot of the games came from, or up in Chicago, where a lot of uh, pinball and arcade companies are from and still are. So when I found out, I, uh, I had the opportunity to go and take a visit, and, and it's absolutely amazing. And even more amazing was the fact that <laughs> I got John Hardy, who is one of the co-founders, to sit down and um, just take some time to talk about how the National Video Game Museum came to be and how him and his partners have been around for a while, kind of reminding everybody where they came from. Um, so without further ado, here is John Hardy. So, John, yep. you are one of the co-founders of the National Video Game Museum. Right. And I think the first question I had was, why Frisco? Yeah, a lot of people ask that question. <laughs> um, so, you know, when we first started out, we, we planned to be in the Bay Area, right? Silicon Valley, that's where the industry was born. That's where it should be. But, unfortunately, it didn't work out like that in the sense of when we contacted people in the area, we didn't really get any response. You know, the Chamber of Commerce and different areas uh, really had no response to us. So it was, you know, uh, crickets, like we say. Did you know. Would you say there was an industry interest in, in having it out there? No, or? no. And that's always been a hard thing, too, is getting the industry to recognize there was a need for this, you know. Wow. For years, we've been trying to get companies to sponsor our events at E3 and different places, but nobody seems, you know, very few. There has been some interest here and there, but for the most part... Companies like uh, Activision or Konami, or these big companies, Electronic Arts, they've been pretty deficient in my, uh, in my opinion, as far as embracing or supporting the industry, uh, the history. Uh, you know, so it was at a show named Dice uh, in Las Vegas that we met a gentleman named Randy Pitchford, and he was the head of Gearbox, or he is the head of Gearbox Software, and Randy, uh, very, very straightforward, straight shooter, um, and basically he said, you know. I'm moving my offices to Frisco, Texas. It's a great place, uh, fastest-growing city in, in the U.S. They're very tech-centered. They're looking to attract a lot of tech, uh, and, you know, you should talk with them. And we said, you know what, sure, we'll, we're open to anything, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and we came down, and really it was, you know, meeting the people, the mayor, and the different, uh, you know, convention visitor bureau people and yeah. the community development and economic development. 
uh, and Chamber of Commerce and all that. And they were very uh, supportive and also very interested in what we planned to do. Must have been refreshing. It was for a change. <laughs> and uh, they basically, you know, liked what we proposed to them and they were willing to invest in it. And they did. And wow. we ended up here. That's that's the quick version, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and But you said prior to the museum actually existing, you guys did exhibit that at trade shows? So, yeah, we... we uh, we had, I'll give you the quick background. We had been collecting individually for over 30 years, my partners and I. Um, and it was, we didn't meet up probably till mid 90s, uh, mid to late 90s, uh, and realize, hey, we, we've all been doing kind of the same thing, but <clears throat> for different eras, you know? Yeah. Um, so there wasn't a lot of overlap, and it was kind of cool that we kind of came together like this big jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, things I wasn't interested in, my, one of my partners had covered, and so we, we realized in, in 99, we started our own convention uh, called oh. Classic Gaming Expo in Las Vegas. Oh. It, it may have been the first video game convention. Uh, the first year, 300 people came, and it was small. But we was all, because keep, keep in mind, this was pre-internet. Yeah. Uh, so it was one e once a year. We just wanted to get together with people we had been trading with and, uh, you know, hey, meet up. We all have a like interest. And yeah. we did a little museum exhibit. Um, we had some vendors there, and a lot of it was a great time. And we, we did that up to 2014. Oh wow! So <coughs> yeah. How, so how long did you guys run that show then? Yeah, from '99 to 2014. Wow. Now in the later years, we started doing it every two years because we were busy with other things, a museum exhibit, actually putting that together. And so the museum exhibit basically started at that first show. We realized, you know, the 30 pieces that we had on display was a real big drawing for uh you know people love that you yeah know? and it kind of grew each year you know and the last time we did it i think we had about five or six thousand square feet of just things put out on tables and it was always a case of you can come up and you can technically you know touch it and look at it and a lot of it was in trust but uh you know we got that going as far as uh creating this this thing this collection and uh, uh basically we we approached e3 in 2004 and said, would you like us to do an exhibit? And they said, sure, it sounds great. And they gave us some space in, uh, at E3, and we had a lot of fun in those early years, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then even in the later years, we, we've been doing E3 ever since. Uh, we did skip a year or two when the museum was actually opening. Yeah. But uh, we've done, you know, it grew to the point where we were doing Game Developer Conference. We were doing South by Southwest. Uh, oh, wow. Kamikaze. We did PAX. So we were doing about five shows a year. Um, and at you know at all these different uh, places, and uh, it was a strain on just constantly getting the collection where it needed to be, you know. I believe um, it. And then so finally we ended up you know here having a physical space, so that was kind of cool to finally put everything in a home, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what was your favorite exhibit that you got to set up at those trade shows, or or what, or what was the what were the best exhibits that people seemed to enjoy the best most? Well, in E3 they used to have. Um, when you walked from the West Hall to the South Hall, mm -hmm. they had a concourse area. And in the concourse area, they would have like a new products uh, cases, right? These big, tall cases that yeah. would have like all the latest stuff on display and check us out. Uh, they stopped doing that, unfortunately. But the early years, we were able to actually get one or two of those. And what was great is we, we would set up little mini displays there. So uh, like when Activision had an anniversary, we had all the Activision games in one of those cases. Oh, okay. Um, you know, one year just for grins, uh, 
we had come across a stack of old uh, Starplex controllers. And the Starplex controller was for the 2600, and it was a basically an Asteroids-type controller with buttons. Oh. And we had cases of them brand new, and we basically set them up with signage that said, come see the latest in controller technology at, you know, the video. <laughs> so it was kind of a play on the whole thing and just saying, hey, check out this stuff, but, you know, drawing people over. Uh, I think it was somebody's birthday one year. We'd put some stuff in there. So it was a lot of fun to, to play off our exhibits. Like there was something new and exciting, but it's really this old technology mm -hmm. that we kind of snuck in there, you know? And I, uh, when I first got here today, you were doing a tour. Right. And I kind of hopped in. I got here just at the right time. Sure. Um, and one of the exhibits that you guys have here is a home setup, yeah. like a, a, an old 80s home setup. Right. And you said that... Um, you mentioned that you guys did that at an event, and you guys won yeah. Best in Show. We did. First year at E3. <laughs> and it's funny, is it was, we got the Best in Show, it was by Xbox Magazine oh, at wow. the time uh, that, that awarded that to us. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. And that was something we, we had done for years at our own convention, uh, having this 80s living room uh, you know, set up. And uh, like I said, I think it's been copied to death. I think everybody has an 80s um, thing at a convention nowadays. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, most of them. I, like, you know, certainly uh, the ones that kind of model themselves in the spirit of what our original exhibit was like, you know, the classic gaming expo. Uh, it was meant to be very community-oriented, not so much about, you know, buying and selling and just getting together and talking games. And yeah. sure, there was trading, buying and selling going on. But, you know, one thing that our convention always excelled at, and I don't think to this day anybody else has matched, is <clears throat> we were the first to honor people. And so we were giving out Lifetime Achievement Awards, you know, back in 1999. Uh, it was called the Golden Joystick Award. <laughs> and it was basically a Atari joystick that was spray-painted gold, <laughs> and it had a plaque on it, you know, that on the bottom it was mounted to a base. And people loved those and because we were the first to honor anyone. You know, nowadays all these institutions have their Lifetime Achievement We were doing that long before them, you know, I mean, yeah. back in the day. Who, uh, who did you guys honor the first year? First year, I think was uh, I'm trying to remember. Sorry, no. Yeah, no, my memory is shot. <laughs> it was usually like, you know, depending on who was coming that year, it was usually you know anywhere from three to five or so. Or uh, anyone, awards. anyone notable. That oh yeah, we've remember. we've we've acknowledged uh, David Crane and uh, Nolan Bushnell, Alcorn, all those guys. Cats uh, Kunkel and Whirly, the original. First video game journalists um, that ran Electronic Games magazines, wow. got awards. A lot of the programmers, uh, Steve Wozniak got one one year. So it was a lot of fun, yeah, to do that. Well, let's take a step back. You said that the museum opened in 2016. Right. right. Um, and then you guys were going to shows <coughs> for a while. But mm -hmm. how about before that? How long have you been collecting for? I've been collecting since probably around 1985, I'm yeah. going to say. Uh, do you remember what it was that, that got you on? Yeah, I do, specifically. Well, <laughs> <coughs> you know, uh, back then, they were, there was two things I, I attributed to. Back then, they were very, uh, I was had an Atari, like most people, but they were very good at creating a certain mystique about the company, right? Mm -hmm. Even to their, um, if you look at their old catalogs, you know, you'd see a guy in a, a white lab coat, like a cartoonish guy. But to me, that's what it was. It was these guys doing the secret stuff behind the scenes and creating all, all these cool games. Um, so that was one thing that kind of built up the mystery and allure. Um, I had also gotten into Atari computers, and I was reading about a, uh, in one of 
the magazines at the time uh, about a device that never came out. Uh, it was like an expansion box that would plug into the back of the computers, and somebody wrote in about it to a magazine. Hey, I found this, uh, you know, and they said uh, the magazine said, oh yeah, it was this thing that you know was designed but never came out. We have one here, and we use it as a doorstop or some crap like that. <laughs> and but nobody was, you know, that was no yeah. big deal at the time because nobody thought about it, and I, it just something kind of switch went off, you know, and. I was like, I gotta get one of those. I want to know more about that unit and um, what it was gonna do and what you know. Yeah. So that kind of pulled the trigger, so to speak, and I started. I actually found one uh, that I was able to buy, and, and wow. that kind of led into me, you know, buying a lot of stuff like the old stuff that, you know, prototypes and stuff that never made it to market. You think and, it was e easier then to? Oh, to you couldn't do it today. Yeah. You know, it was it was a lot. And as much as I was able to save, there's a lot I, I kick myself because I should have done this or I should have done yeah. that. I should have spent more time dumpster diving at Atari. I should have, <laughs> you know, there's so many things that we hear stories about being thrown out or, <clears throat> you know, but, you know, you're younger, you don't have as much money, you're limited, mm -hmm. and you don't realize the scope of what's out there and what's being tossed every day into the garbage. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard, but, you know, we do what we could. But for the most part, there's a, there's a ton of stuff that we couldn't say, you know. <laughs> so unfortunate. But that's that's kind of what started it all. And that need to know like what was going on. You know, I wanted to know who wrote the games and yeah. and uh, you know why a game didn't come out or a system didn't come out or why the name changed. Uh, you know, Atari sued somebody so they changed the name of the game. You know, things mm -hmm. like that. It was that was fascinating to me the the behind the scenes stuff. You know. Absolutely. And did you meet? You're, so you're one of the co-founders. Right. Um, so who else, uh, I guess, is in charge of this? Yeah. So my my two partners are Sean Kelly and uh, Joe Santoli. Okay. And uh, they live in Chicago and New Jersey, respectively. <laughs> and um, you're from New York. I'm right? from New York. Yeah. You can't, can't tell. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> um, but we all met up, like I said, in the late '90s, and uh, Joe was um, had built a what we call like a media empire. Uh, called Digital Press. It was started oh, as a wow. fanzine that him and his uh, friend at the time had put together, and uh, Sean and I came on. We were writing for it, you know, writing articles on classic gaming, collecting, whatever, and uh, it kind of brought us all together, and um, that's kind of how it led to us doing the show and putting everything together. And, and, and here you are. <laughs> yeah, and, and here, right. How many, <laughs> how many years later? Scary, but it's, uh, it was a long journey. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears in, in yeah. the literal sense, you know. Um, but we got here. It was pretty impressive. What is, uh, so as far as the exhibits go, right. I'm assuming a lot of it was stuff that you guys already had been collecting for many, many years. Right. Um, but, you know, where did, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it's been donated as well. Yeah, there's been a lot of donations. Um, believe it or not, I, I would say 90% is our collection. And, and not trying to belittle any donations or no, anything. Absolutely. Um, but we, like I said, we were kind of fortunate in that we each had a specialty. Like, I was an Atari guy, and mm -hmm. my partner Sean was Vectrex and in television, and Joe was always all that plus modern, more modern stuff. He was the one who got into NES and kept going with it more, oh, collecting everything. Wow. So uh, it fit together like great, you know. And there's, there was holes in the in the in the lineup, so to speak. Um, you know. Each year when we did our shows, we would actually have uh, the big collectors in different areas come in with their stuff. So we had another guy who was like the top in television collector, 
who would bring stuff that, you know, you, you'd faint. You know, if you were hardcore, you'd be like, holy crap, I never <laughs> saw that. And we had in a guy who did uh, nothing but he collects handhelds. Oh, and, wow. you know, he would bring tables and tables of handhelds and set them out for people to see. Um, another guy did Vectrex stuff, and I had the Atari stuff. And so we, we were able to build this huge museum. Yeah. Um, that you couldn't you couldn't find it anywhere else. So to this day, you know any of the shows out there that might have museum exhibits, you're not going to find how we brought everybody together to show their stuff. What would you say your favorite exhibit is? In the museum itself, you know I, the arcade is the easy answer because yeah. that's where our social um, time was spent. And I actually didn't even mention that on the tour today. I usually do is that. How, you know, on a Friday, Saturday night, uh, the arcade, you were there. If you didn't show up, they were sending out search parties. Like, there was a problem. Something <laughs> happened. Maybe you got hit by a car, or maybe your parents actually killed you. killed you. For, well, grounding would be easy. You actually, <laughs> actually followed through and killed you for doing something wrong, right? You know, after all those threats. Um, but today, kids are, you know, their social scene is online. And it's talking to their friends while they're playing, either through the games or on the phone while they're playing. Uh, for us, it was it was more face to face. You were at the arcade with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends in general. Just that's where you hung out, you know. So uh, a lot of that's lost today. That that you know, good time that we had. Uh, the machines that are in there. You have a lot of machines in there. Yeah, forty two. Forty two machines, right. and um, are. Were they donated, or did no. you guys own those too? Yeah, well, so arcades were never our specialty, because they, they take up a lot of space. You just look at them, and they go down. You know, you look at them wrong, and they break. Um, so we never specialized on arcade machines. Uh, there's a lot of other collectors out there who have amazing collections and, and can blow it apart, you know, as mm -hmm. far as what we, we do. Um, and we've never tried to be a specialty. Yes, the history of it we want to preserve, but actually collecting the machines, that's, that's not so much what we're about. Yeah. Um, the reason we, we do have it is because it was an integral time, you know, a slice out of time to show what was going on at the time. And uh, we tried to basically put in almost every machine that had some kind of, you know, that you would remember from the days or, yeah. or was iconic in some ways. You know, a game in there like Stratavox, which, uh, you know, most people don't like. It's not. It's really hard, and, and it's not. <laughs> not super fun. But it was like the first game that talked. Yeah. You know, so it kind of has a place. Um, but we try to really uh, weed out the stuff that people don't Play. identify with. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, what's your favorite arcade game in there? Uh, in there, uh, probably Miss Pac-Man. That was always. Um, one of mine that I was just because I was good at it, you know, yeah. and I could play for an hour and a quarter. And um, but there's others in there that uh, that I find Cubert uh, uh, was always a favorite, you know, some of the big names. And again, like stuff like actually, there's one in there called Pleiades, which is a favorite of mine. But yeah. again, not many people know it, but I think it's a great game, you know. Rob my ultimate game that I love that, but it's not in there. It will be soon. We have one coming. Is Robotron. Yeah, wow. it's just a great balance of game and and uh, skill level. It doesn't get too hard, too fast. You know, they came up they had, they had a perfect balance with that game. Very good. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other questions. I feel like I do. Stu, you said you're an Atari guy. Yes. 
Was that your first console? It was. It was. Actual consoles, yeah. Yeah. What was uh, your favorite game growing up that really sticks out to you? Um, on, on the Atari 2600, and I was a computer guy too, but on the 2600, probably Adventure. And it, it kind of led to that, brought into that whole thing about uh, secrets, right? And what was going on. And Adventure, even though it's not the first Easter egg, which a lot of people think it is, it's definitely the most iconic. So the fact that the guy hid his name in there, uh, created by Warren Robinette, you know, and, and it was this big elaborate thing to get to it, that kind of led into the whole mystique again of, you know, these secrets and these hidden things that and people love finding hidden things. So, you know, the game itself by itself was a lot of fun to play. Uh, and then, you know, there was no internet, so there was no way to say, here's how you do it. It was just whatever the magazines would publish at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of, uh, you know, the mystique that, that went into it. And just, it kept it fun for a long time. Um, are there any upcoming exhibits that you can tell me about? We are working on a history of virtual reality exhibit. Um, okay. And that'll be out, hopefully. I mean, we've been <laughs> we we're hoping to have it out already and, and built. Uh, but like everything, it t- these things get delayed and take time. I'm hoping in the next two months it'll be up. Yeah. Uh, we're about to start, you know, breaking down the old exhibit to work on it. So uh, that should be really exciting, especially with all the new, uh, you know, AR, VR stuff going mm-hmm. on. I think people really get a kick out of the beginnings of it. It's it, absolutely, and, and I don't think some people realize yeah. how long virtual, I mean, they don't realize how long virtual reality has been sure. attempted. Right, right. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. It, going back to the early 80s, sure. Early 80s? Where did it start? Uh, well... If you had it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint. I mean, a lot of the early systems had VR things designed or in the works. Um, certainly the Vectrex had a 3D, and, and I'm lumping them all together, you know, 3D, mm-hmm. virtual reality, whatever. Um, but a lot of the early systems had 3D glasses. Nintendo had 3D glasses, Sega for their master system. Um, you know, like I said, the Laser Active. Uh, which is kind of obscure system, had a 3D goggles, the Vectrex. Even a lot of the early computers had little, you know, shutter glasses that you could put on, or stereoscopic glasses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that stuff's been around for a long time. And, and that's just the 80s stuff. There was attempts movie-wise at, you know, the 3D and images and stuff even before that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to, I couldn't pinpoint the exact beginnings of it for you, but yeah. it goes way back, you know. Way far. I, I very vividly remember the Virtual Boy. My brother, sure. my brother had one at his yep. house, right. and that, I just I remember I couldn't believe. I mean, it looked goofy. Yeah. But yeah. but I couldn't believe like it really does put you straight put like, you right in the in. game. Sure, sure. Um, and I remember thinking at the time I really only played Nintendo sixty four and I had a Game Boy Color, mm-hmm. and I, I thought this was it was just it was a little too off the wall for me. But right. now I've had the opportunity to play with the Vive, you know, and, and it just. I remember what Nintendo was trying to do just even then with sure. the Virtual Boy. The Virtual Boy, amazing, right. yeah. Right. Is there anything you want to talk about specifically about the museum? Maybe. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I encourage people to come visit it. You know, Absolutely. I think it's. Uh, you know, it's definitely a lot of stuff in here that harkens back to the old days. So, if you are a gamer from the old days, uh, even going to computer stuff, there's a lot of touches. There's a lot of hidden stuff in the museum, um, Easter eggs and things like mm-hmm. that, which most people just just breeze right by. But <laughs> but older gamers and people who are more hardcore 
we'll get the details that we've hidden, you know, in the museum, and and they'll identify with with a lot of those little details, you know. Yeah. Um, Is it important for you to be able to put those really personal touches in? Yeah, you know? I, it was, you know, because again, we we love Easter eggs, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we, you know, we have a whole exhibit on Easter eggs out there. <laughs> so we thought it was kind of cool to hide stuff or images or little, you know, just little touches that people won't, most people won't catch, but the hard, you know, the hardcore eagle-eyed person will see stuff and say, hmm. And I'm sure they, yeah. they, if they can tell you that they found it, they probably will. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we actually have a game that you can play where you go through oh. and you can uh, try to track down all the Easter eggs. And it's, uh, there's a little kiosk out there that you can sign into. And yeah, so it's great. One of my favorite things walking around is the art. <coughs> right. Is, every, is the, the, the murals that you have painted on the walls. Right. Can you right. tell me about that? Yeah, so when we were starting out, we, we thought it would be important to have, you know, cool artwork, right? We don't just want bare walls. We wanted, you know, in-your-face type stuff that just really amazing looking. And uh, we hired uh, seven or eight artists that, uh, you know, had applied. You know, we put out a roll call type thing, you mm -hmm. know, anybody interested. And um, a lot of people submitted artwork. And it was cool that they all had a different style. You know, we had one guy who was a, uh, like I said, he did spray paint on uh, uh, a lot of his work. And, um, and he's the one that did the Dragon Lair. He mural. did the Dragon's Lair, and he also did the uh, uh, the uh, stuff in the arcade. Oh, wow. He even made the, uh, the foam centipede in the arcade that's coming out of the wall. So that was kind of cool. And, uh, again, all the other artists all had a little different style. You know, the girl, Anna, who had the big mural, yeah. she had a real eye for detail. She can do shading and shadows. And she, 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 She's the one that did all of the characters, right? She did. No, she did, yeah, all the characters on the big wall, right? They look... Yeah, perfect. realistic. They're like great. You have the me the, the, from, from Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. And it even looks like it does in the game. You know, it's got right. that, that, that faux 3D. Like, yeah. It looks exactly like it does... On the yeah, console, it was yeah. amazing. And uh, another guy, Oliver, he uh, he he actually was in the industry. He worked on uh, Ratchet and Clank and Spyro. Oh wow! Yeah, he lives local. He did uh, the Nintendo, the Mario mural yeah. outside the classroom, and uh, and actually some of them even teamed up to do stuff. Uh, so like the uh, the uh, handheld room mm -hmm. and the gift shop where Anna and Oliver teaming up to do that. Oh wow! Um, in the um, and then we had another, uh, several other artists. One did uh, was Eric Koch, who did uh, the computer area, and uh, Max uh, did uh, a couple of things in there. He did the opposite, where the uh, computer logos were, and just yeah, just good people. Denise was the one who did the Minecraft stuff, and wow. she did the the Duck Hunt mural and the uh, uh, the Game Boy mural. But again, just real talented people. We were fortunate to have, you know. You've got some really interesting um, exhibits to to drive home, uh, like the difference in how internet was, right? Um, you know, over the course of 30, 40 years. Sure. How did you guys come up with some of those exhibit setups? Your classroom setup is very has has yeah. Minecraft, so you've got like a crane and yeah. blocks. Like it looks very. Some of it was our ideas, and some was you know the exhibit designers. Um, who thought it'd be, it'd be kind of cool to do? Uh, when we first were planning the museum, we had like 56 uh, exhibit concepts. Oh wow! And you know, because of the space, we only have a little over 10,000 square feet. Uh, obviously, you couldn't fit all those, so 
we kind of whittled it down to 18 or 16 or whatever that we thought would be the most, you know, have the most impact. Um, but, you know, a lot of that was ideas maybe we had to do something or working with the designers. You know, they may have pitched an idea and it was good or maybe it gave us ideas to do something. And so it was kind of a joint effort to, to really how to bring that to life. Do you guys ever have people tell you they have a favorite exhibit or you more people telling you a particular area is their favorite? Um, yeah, we do. We yeah. do. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, just because of what it is, the arcade is always yeah. favorite. So I, I have to kind of eliminate that because everybody loves the arcade. Right? That's, a, that's kind of a gimme. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, and, and again, of course, the living room and the bedroom are also kind of gimmies because they, to me, you know, people really get in tune with that. But a lot of people do like the, uh, the computer area. Yeah. You know, and the little store over there and showing the crash and then the rise of computers. Because a lot of the computer stuff is... Uh, you know, it was so individualized back then as far as all these different companies are making stuff. And nowadays it's kind of kind of bland, you know. It's like, not to say there aren't, the games aren't good, but, you know, the, the, it's kind of lost its flair, right? Yeah. Back then, game companies were making, you know, just doing different innovative things as far as packaging or the products or even their logos. For the, you know, if you look at that logo wall, most of those companies are long gone. Um, but there were some really cool companies up there, you know, Penguin yeah. Software and Big Five Software, and those companies were just just doing amazing things. And you know, so it's kind of gotten a little, I don't know, bland or sterile in my <laughs> opinion. But you know, not to say again, that's no reflection on the games themselves. Yeah. It's just kind of lost some. You know, a perfect example, Electronic Arts was was cool because they had they deviated from traditional packaging, right? Yeah. And they had this like sleeve, this square gatefold sleeve that you could open up and inside was a story you know, about the game or about the artists, the electronic artists that were creating these games. So it was always fun to read that. It was like an, almost like an album cover, you know, like you got to read the liner notes and everything. So it was interesting. Well, thank you so much. This is, sure. I went on, this is my second tour I got to go great, on with you great. today. I got to hang out with you and mm -hmm. um, John Newcomer and Warren Davis, you right. know, and yeah. uh, I was really, I feel like it's just along for the ride yeah, at no, that point. Cool. <laughs> cool. But thank you so much for having me and I really hope that anybody who is listening takes the time to come out because this yeah. museum is definitely something else and I really can't wait to see what the new exhibit's going to look yeah. like. Yeah, we are too. It should, <laughs> should be really exciting, the plans that we have and what we've seen growing up. It'll be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything that you do, John. Sure. No problem. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate it. All right. So that was this week's episode. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and being patient while I got the first episode of the year out. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've obviously struggled to get one episode out a week, and... Um, and that was a little idealistic before I learned how much time um, I spend editing <laughs> before I put an episode out. Um, so I'm going to actually aim for about two episodes a month. So you've got this week's episode, and then in two weeks you will get the next one. And uh, that will make it a little bit easier for me to uh, stop stressing out, even though I'm not getting a lot out right now. Um, I'm just... Uh, working on getting my stream set up now that I've got my computer moved and 
we will just kind of keep going forward. So in two weeks, you guys will get the next episode. You can find show notes for today's episode on takebites.com. Um, and if you like the episode, leave a review, subscribe, and let me know what you think. We'll see you in two weeks.